Hey, I'm going to ask everyone if you could begin to return to your seats. And I also have one more announcement that we're going through the entire Old Testament, uh, the entire New Testament. So wh whatever Bible app that you might have on your phone, you can open it up and go to Daily New Testament Quarter 1, and it'll give you a reading for every day so that by the end of the year, you have read through the entire New Testament. So whatever your Bible app is, Open it and go to Daily New Testament Quarter 1. And you could follow along as everybody reads through it. <clears throat> but usually I don't make New Year's resolutions, but I made one this year. I made a resolution that, that I'm going to live forever. And so far, so good. What do you think? And, I actually, I, I said a prayer on January 1st. I said, dear God, my prayer for two 2019 is a fat bank account and a skinny body. Please don't mix it up like you did last year. <laughs> I, I don't know what happened last year. God, God got him, he got him backwards. So I'm going to pray. Father, we thank you, Lord God. Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your goodness, Lord God. And I just release your blessing. I release your healing power into every life, into every situation represented, into every family, Lord God. Father, I just decree breakthrough in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus, Father, we thank you. We break the power of lack in every family. And we decree that there's always more than enough, that the provision of heaven is in place in your life. So, Father, open our ears today to hear you, Lord God. Father, to hear your heart, to gain understanding. Change us, Lord God. We're not content just to leave today the same way that we came in. Father, we came today, Lord God, to have an encounter with you. So we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. See, what I find is that every year at the end of December, I hear the same thing from a lot of people. I can't wait for this year to end. This was the worst year. And somehow we have a wrong expectation that as soon as New Year's Day comes, as soon as the clock strikes midnight, magically everything's going to change. There's a new year, a new me, a new situation. Nothing's going to be the same. But see, that's a wrong expectation because a lot of it is up to us. We can't bring the same old negative mindsets, attitudes, and lifestyles into the new year and expect different results. Isaiah chapter 43 verse 18 says, forget about what's happened. Don't keep going over old history. Be alert. Be present. I'm about to do something brand new. It's bursting out. Don't you see it? 
There it is. I'm making a road through the deserts, rivers, on the badlands. It's scripture says God can do something new in your life. He wants to bless this new year. He, he's gonna, he wants to do new things, big changes. He wants to answer your prayers. But first you have to forget what's happened and stop going over old history. If you bring 2018 into 2019, you're likely to see the same things happen. So, as you all know, Pastor George has been doing a series on the book of Judges, which he completed last week. So, I'm just going to extend it for, for one more Sunday. And last week in Judges chapter 6, Pastor George spoke about a man named Gideon, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him. In the Old Testament, when you read about the angel of the Lord, most scholars believe that that's an appearance of God himself in a form that can be seen. So in other words, God himself appeared to Gideon. And it was during a a season of great trouble in Israel. There was poverty, violence, fear, oppression, and injustice. And God spoke to Gideon, and he proclaimed that the season of defeat and poverty and lack was over. You see, God told Gideon that there's a new season of breakthrough and victory, and it's now. It's now. He told Gideon, right now, things are going to change for you and for the whole nation. So in Judges 6, Chapter 6, verse 12, it says, The angel of God appeared to him and said, God is with you, O mighty warrior. But Gideon was still stuck in the old season, what happened in the past. And his response was, I'm just a nobody, and I come from a family of nobodies. He told God, well, we prayed before, and nothing happened. We expected miracles, and we saw nothing. So why should we expect anything different now? You see, if you want to see God do the new thing that you've been waiting for, you've got to let go of the disappointment of the past. You've got to get rid of those negative mindsets. Bill, here's a quote from Bill Johnson. He said, I can't afford to have a thought in my head about me that God does not have about me. You can't keep beating yourself up, putting yourself down, walking around, I'm just nothing and nobody, and expect God to be able to work something through you. you got to see yourself how God sees you. Gideon told God, well, I'm just nothing. My family is nothing. Why are you talking to somebody like me? You see, Gideon could have made a choice, and Israel would have been stuck in the same situation because he would have been stuck in that negativity and the disappointment. But I prayed, God. We prayed, and and we prayed, and we didn't see an answer. So what's the difference now?
You see, but God ignored Gideon's complaints and excuses. You might notice that if you ever spend time with God, he's not impressed with our excuses. We can complain before him, and many times he just ignores them. In verse 14, it says, The Lord turned to Gideon and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? In other words, God's saying, forget the excuses. Go. This is a time. The time is now. I'm doing something new in your life. You see, I'm sorry for the disappointments, the rejections, the struggles you went through even in the past year. Maybe like Gideon, you prayed and you prayed, but your marriage fell apart. You had a family member who wasn't healed. Maybe someone close to you passed away, and you've been, your heart has become disappointed, and you're afraid to get your hopes up again. You're afraid to believe again. Well, if it didn't happen before, why should I believe now? You see, for me personally, the past year didn't go the way I expected it to. Many, Many times through the years, my wife was on the verge of death, and God raised her back up. And that's what I expected to happen. I expected God to answer my prayer one more time, but this time it didn't happen the way I was believing Instead, for me personally, 2018 turned into a a season, a year of mourning and loss and disappointment. Now, in 2019, God is opening new doors. He wants to do new things in my life. And I personally, I'm talking about me now, I got to make a choice. Because at times there's a voice that goes round and round in my head. And it says, don't get your hopes up. You're just going to be disappointed again. The rug's just going to be pulled out from, from under you. And I've got to choose to war against that voice. You see, that's the voice of the enemy speaking into your mind. If, he, if God didn't do it before, don't expect he's going to do it now. Just give up. You're nobody anyway. God wouldn't want to bless you. You've got to turn off that voice. You've got to war against it. You see, just like God told Gideon, he said, get up and go in the strength you have. See, right now I'm not feeling a lot of strength after the past year, but I got to make a choice. Whatever strength I do have, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep fighting. I'm going to keep battling because I'm believing God that this is going to be the year of breakthrough. If you don't have a lot of strength like Gideon, God said, don't worry about what you don't have. He said, go with what you do have. If you got a little strength, go in the little bit. God did not tell Gideon to stay home and take an 
online course of the 10 steps to build your faith. In spite of his doubt and his hurt and his loss and his bad self-image, God told him, go into the new season. You see, and I'm challenging you, every one of you right now, to go in the strength that you do have, regardless of what's happened in your past. you got to let it go. You can't carry your past and expect that something's going to change. That old defeatist mindset, nothing good's ever going to happen. It's just going to look good. That relationship is going to look good. But I know it's going to end up the same old mess. I know if I make new friends that they're going to stab me in the back just like the old ones. So why bother? And that's why things don't change. And I, I don't want one of you at the end of this year to sit to stand here and say, I can't wait for this year to be over. This was a terrible year. This is the year to move forward. Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. You see, Paul, when he wrote this, what, what is he saying? There's a prize ahead. There's greatness ahead. There's blessing. The beauty of the Lord, the prosperity of God is ahead. But I got I to gotta look away from the past. He says, I got to forget the past and I got to press onward. See, pressing onward is, is work. It's action. It means I'm going to get up when I don't feel like it. I'm going to get going when I feel nothing. When I'm broken and disappointed, I'm going to show up anyway. That's what Paul is saying. I press. I work. I battle through. I'm not telling you to do anything that I don't have to do. Many times it's a struggle to get out of bed in the morning thinking about the past and everything that happened. But I got to get up and not only stand up, but I got to speak to my mind. That's what King David said. He said, I speak to my soul and I tell my soul, be still in God, have peace in God. You can't just let yourself get battered back and forth by the enemy or by your past, by negativity. you got to make a choice to press through it. When you stand here in worship, some people tell me, well, I'm not really worshiping. I don't feel anything today. If you're waiting to feel something to worship God, you're in trouble. You worship God because he's great, because he's good. And you stand up. You say, I don't care how I feel. I don't care if there's devastation in my life, but I'm going to make a choice. And that's what's going to bring you the breakthrough.
You see, you can't allow the negativity or the past rejections or betrayals or wounds to determine your future. So I'm going to read one more scripture, which is, a, which is another story in the Bible that speaks about the importance of letting go of the past. This story is from 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 1. It says, The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. You see, previously, years before, God sent Samuel to anoint or bless Saul to be the king of Israel. And Samuel, he had big, big dreams for Saul. He, he mentored him and he counseled him. He saw him like his own son. But see, Saul didn't care too much for doing things God's way. He chose to ignore God and do his own thing. And as a result, God rejected Saul as king. And, and he was going to choose a new king. He was going to choose David to be king. And God asked Samuel, how long will you spend mourning a relationship that ended in failure? You see, God had a new king named David who was a man after his own heart who would bring justice and victory and peace to Israel. But Samuel was a prophet. And in the, in the Bible, a prophet is someone who could see into the future and see what God is doing. But when you're full of sadness and grief because of God didn't do in the past what you expected to happen, it will cloud your vision of what he wants to do in the new season. You see, if you sit like Samuel and dwell on past heartbreaks and failures and regrets, you're not going to know what God is doing right now. His heart was so filled with grief because of this broken relationship. Because it didn't work out the way that he expected, so he, he was a prophet of God whose job was to hear the voice of God, but he couldn't hear because his mind was so filled with grief from the past and disappointment. You see, I, I understand the pain of the past. I understand the broken relationship where, where you thought somebody, you finally had found the one. And the person left you hurt and broken, the one you thought was, was going to love you forever. Maybe a job that you loved so much that, and they ended up letting you go. A, a, a spouse that turned their back on you, abandoned you. Maybe a friend that stabbed you in the back. Or it could be a sin that you fell into in the past that wrecked your life. See, Pastor George has been preaching 
on how Israel kept going through the same cycles over and over and over. They would turn to God and then end up back in the same place of idolatry and defeat and loss. In the book of Exodus, Israel went around the same mountain for 40 years and the same patterns and cycles over and over. They promised to worship God, and the next thing you know, they're building idols. They're worshiping other gods. They're fighting against God. So round and round they went for 40 years, going in circles, going nowhere. Until in Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 3, God told them, You have gone around this mountain long enough. Turn northward. And that's my prophetic word for you for this year. You've gone around that same mountain long enough. Those cycles, it's time to break them. Those cycles and patterns of abuse and lack. The relationships where you keep getting to one bad relationship after another. All those cycles, the cycles of financial defeat. All of a sudden you got some money, the next thing you know it's gone. You see, we can go, we could spend our life going around and around like Israel, around them around the mountain. But I hear the Lord telling you, you've gone around long enough. It's time to move forward. It's time to press through. It's time to get out of that season. Step out of those cycles. Whatever it is, you got to let it go. Those people that left you, like Samuel, What God told them, it's time to stop mourning those people. Let them go. I I like what T.D. Jake says. He says, I got the gift of goodbye. If somebody wants to leave, I let them leave. Don't waste one more day mourning over some jerk who turned their back on you. some church person that gossiped against you, you're going to let that person destroy what God wants to do in this new season. Let it go. Let that person go. Even if you wanted to, you're never going to be able to hold on to people that don't want to be with you. Why? Because just as God told Samuel, let go of Saul. God has new people, new things, new places. But you can't sit like Samuel and grieve over the past over and over and over. Around the mountain, over and over we go. I'm declaring over you. No more cycles. I break every cycle by the power of the Holy Spirit. I decree that they're broken. Those patterns of defeat, patterns of laws, no more abusive relationships. I break it. I sever that in Jesus' name. So what what we're going to do now, I'm going to ask the ushers 
We're going to begin to have communion, and I'm going to call Lee up, and she's going to give a powerful testimony of how she's been able to break the cycle in Jesus' name. So I have very much the same testimony as a lot of you have when it's come to 2018. I've heard many people say that it was a difficult year, and I don't want to say for me especially, but my hard year um, started in 2017. Um, the Lord began to challenge me um, in ways that um, I had never expected and never experienced in uh, my life in general or within my Christian walk. He challenged me um, to go way deep down into the valley of the shadow of death. And he challenged me not to fear any evil. And in the same season, he was saying to me, now come up to the mountain because there are things that I want to show you and I want to give you vision. And I said, Lord, you must be bipolar because there's no way that I'm so far deep down in this valley that I can get back up to that mountain again. And the Lord would speak to my heart and he would say, come up, come up here, come up a little higher. I want to show you what I'm doing. And so in 2017, um, my aunt, who was like a mother to me, um, passed away. But it wasn't just that she passed away. I was by her bedside um, the entire week. We had in-home hospice care and I was by her side for the entire week. And that entire week, and I slept at my aunt's house, um, and I had to wake up in the middle of the night, and I would abruptly wake up to hear if she was still breathing. And if you've ever been in the room with somebody who's passing away, you know that there are deep, shallow breaths that they're taking right before that last breath happens. And so I began, and I didn't know that I was becoming traumatized, that trauma was beginning to set in. Um, until the day I cried out, and I remember I called my husband in the morning, and I said, Jesus has to take her. I said, I can't take this anymore. We had stayed up all night. Me, my brother, and the hospice nurse sat by her side. We took shifts to watch. We wanted somebody awake to see when she was going to pass away. And I'm grateful that the Lord heard me because I couldn't take anymore. And I was present, and I held her in my arms when she took her last breath. And I thought to myself, Lord, I don't know how you're in this moment because all I feel, feel is the sting of death. And the whole time he was calling out to me and he was saying, even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't want you to fear this evil and I want you to know that life is going to come forth after this. And so I held on to that. But for the next six months, I had severe panic attacks every single night when I went to sleep. I thought I was going to die every night for six months when I would try to go to sleep. I had severe anxiety, and all I could, as I was trying to rest, all I could remember was that I held my aunt when she died, and I woke up for an entire week in the middle of the night to see if she was still breathing. And I cried out to God, and, 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 and the Lord gave me my time to grieve, and then he said, okay, now I want you to come up here on this mountain because I have things I want to show you. And I was like, but Lord, I'm still grieving, there's no way. And I began to park myself in the valley of the shadow of death. And I was refusing to come up to see what God needed me to see. And then I got the women's ministry put into my hand. And the Lord said to me, 
come up higher. There are things that I want you to see. There are women that I want you to take care of. There's a vision that I've put in your heart, and you can't stay here. You can't stay in this valley. But I was like, Lord, I don't know what else to do. I've never experienced this level of death and this level of loss in Christ. And he said, well, come up and let me show you. And I said, okay, Lord, I'll come up. And I was willing, and with the little strength like Gideon had, I just followed him to where he wanted me to be. And then, a few months later, Norma, Pastor Gary's wife, became very ill. Gary and Norma are not just my pastors. They were family to us. Norma was family to my children. Norma affectionately called Leah her granddaughter. And so she became very ill. And I was showing up to the hospital, and there were so many things happening, and I was saying, oh, no, God. I said, God, not again. I said, please, Jesus, not again. And it wasn't just that I saw my friends suffer. It was that I saw my, my friend over here that was still alive. I saw him suffer. And the Lord kept saying to me, I have a work for you to do. I know you're in the valley, but come up higher. And I was still going to bed every night, and I was having panic attacks. And then the morning that Norma passed away, and many of you don't know this, because Gary didn't share this, and no one's really shared this, but I want to share this just as a source of comfort to those of you who knew Norma. Um, the morning that Norma passed away, um, I had made my way up to the hospital. And um, when I came in the room, I never approached her sad and sullen. I said, hi, Norma. I'm here. Don't worry, I got you. Girl, I got your back. I'm here. We got Gary. Don't worry, it's all good. And, you know, about a few minutes later, we got a call that um, Pastor Mark was um, at the door and that he was there. So Pastor Gary said, hey, could you let Mark in? And I was like, yeah, sure. And, and, and so Pastor Gary said, let Norma know that, that Mark is here. And I said, Norma, I'll be right back. She was already, you know, like in a sort of comatose-like state. And so, but I knew she could hear. And I was like, I'm going to get Mark. And I get Mark, and we came in the room. And so Mark and I were sitting there with Pastor Gary. And, um, and we're sitting there. We, I don't think you were there for maybe more than 10 minutes. We were there together in the room. And uh, Mark greeted Norma, and I said, we here, we got Gary, just rest, all is well, and a team of doctors came in the room, and um, as we sat um, at her bedside, um, she passed right in front of us, and we were devastated, and again, I said to myself, God, I don't understand what you're doing, and I don't understand why you Continue to call me in to places to send people into your hands. And I went home, and that night, the panic attacks stopped miraculously. In the room that morning, I could feel the presence of God because I knew my friend was in the arms of Jesus, and I was sure of that. And we don't understand God's ways. And I had prayed for over six months that he would take away the panic attacks. And for some reason that I still have yet to understand, the day that Norma passed away, the attacks left. 
And so I continued on and I said, Lord, I'm going to continue to do what you want me to do, even though I feel like parking myself in the valley and crawling up into a ball and dying myself. And maybe not dying physically, but dying emotionally, dying spiritually. I just wanted to give up. I was going through a severe depression. I was having severe anxiety still. And the Lord said to me, but come up here. I want to show you. He said, you have women that you have to take care of. He said, there are women that need my life. And if all you continue to fix your eyes on is death, then you'll never be able to do what I've called you to do and speak life into the women that I've called you to. And so I would take a deep breath, and just like Gideon, I gave God every excuse in the world. And I said, there's no way. It's like you're torturing me. How do you want me to be this bipolar? How do you want me to walk into the house of God and worship you and believe for all these amazing things and then death is happening all around me? And yet with the little strength I had in me, I said, yes, Lord, I will follow you. And a bunch of other things began to happen. And there were these really, there was a myriad of challenges and yet there were these high mountaintop victories and My kids graduated high school, and everyone went off to college, and God gave us scholarships, and God was doing beautiful things, and I was like, wow, God, this is like, you really, you know, the balances are really like, you know, the scales are really balanced right now. And then, about a year ago, I want to say maybe eight months ago, we found a lump in my husband's leg. And I didn't tell anybody about it. We kept it very quiet because I was terrified. And I was like, God, I don't know what I'm doing still serving you. I don't know how you expect me to go into the house of God with all this pain and tell these people that you're still good. So I prayed with the little strength that I had within me. And I said, no, Lord, I'm going to keep moving forward. And I'm going to keep doing what it is you call me to do. And if I wake up in the morning and I find the strength to do it again, then I'm going to do it again. And every morning I've woken up and I've found the little strength to do it again. And I've done it again. And then a few months after that, back in October, many of you know my story. You know that I was sold from another country into this country, and I was adopted by a woman who was severely mentally ill, and um, she severely physically abused me. I was she forsook me. She orphaned me all over again. I was put into the foster care system as a teenager, and in October, um, I got the word that from my brother that she was on her last stages of dementia. And um, she's 80 years old. And the Lord said to me, he said, I want you to go to her now. I'm sorry, this is very difficult. And I fought with God because I said, she forsook me. She abused me. When I had no one, when I was in my most vulnerable state, she left me. And yeah, I know she had her limitations, but Lord, why are you asking this of me? And so I got up one morning, and I found the strength, and I went. And I've been visiting with her. She no longer has the ability to 
do anything. She's in a vegetable-like state, but I go and I feed her meals, and I tell her that I love her, and I hug her and I kiss her, and I make sure she's getting everything that she needs at this point. And then the Lord said to me, don't park yourself there, because when I leave out of that place, I'm like crushed. The Lord said, come up higher. I want to show you some things. And I'm like, oh, my God. How much can one person handle? How much? Plus all the other things that I'm not telling you. And then I fought with my husband because I said, you need to go to the doctor and get this lump checked out. And in my heart and in my mind, I said to myself, okay, I think, I think it's time maybe God's going to take my husband now. And I began to brace myself for this ground-shaking circumstance that could possibly be cancer. And the Lord said to me, no, remember when I said to Peter in the book of Luke, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But then the Lord said to Peter, and the Lord began to say to me, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail and that when you have turned again, you're going to go and you're going to strengthen your brethren. And I was like, but what if he has cancer? What am I going to do? And I began to envision my life without a father for my children and without a husband to walk in through with these doors. And on Wednesday... For those of you who were, here, who were here for Prayer Wednesday, I didn't want to share this because I felt like if I made it public, it was going to be more real. But after a strong conviction, I shared with the congregation, upon my husband's approval, of course, that he had this lump. He was getting ready to go in for an MRI the next day. And so everybody gathered around and they laid their hands on him. And I woke up the next morning. And I was filled with anxiety and fear and worry. We went, we got the MRI done. And then the next morning, Pastor Mo had asked me to help her um, with a funeral. And we were getting the results back this past Friday. And I woke up in the morning and I was like, I can't go. I was about to call you to tell you that I wasn't coming. Because I was like, how, God, would you ask me to serve at somebody's funeral and I could be facing my own, yet again, valley with my husband. But I said, I found little strength that morning. And I said, I'm getting up, and I'm coming to the house of God, and I'm going to serve the hurting, and I'm going to serve my friend, and I'm going to walk in with the little strength I got. And I said, and the Lord spoke to me that morning, and he said, don't worry to me three times. And I said, well, what do you mean? Don't worry because it's not cancer, or don't worry because it is cancer. And if it is cancer, then he's going to be okay. And if it is cancer, you're going to give me strength. Oh, what do you mean, don't worry? And the Lord said, don't worry. And all morning long, I was texting my husband, even from the funeral. I was like, did you get the results? 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 I was terrified. My stomach was tore up all morning. I mean, my heart was palpitating. I mean, I can't even. I was like, yes, Lord, in my spirit, but my flesh was going nuts. And then instead of a phone call, I got a text from my husband, and I was out to eat with my aunt. And he said, the doctor said, that is not that bad. All it is is a benign lipoma. And 
he didn't say this, but it, I looked at my aunt and I said, we cancer free. We are cancer free. And I cannot tell you, and I say this testimony with a sober mind and a sober heart, because I understand that there are some of you sitting in the house of God this morning that have not gotten that report back from the doctor. But what I can tell you is that this, I know that you might be struggling in your faith and I know that it may look like things are never ever going to change for you. Or how can I believe again if I'm faced with all of this darkness? But I believe that God is calling us this morning to let go of the trauma and the paralyzing moments. Let go of the trauma Let go of the pain. God's calling us to let go of that poverty mindset. God's calling us to let go of the anger, to let go of the doubt, to let go of the insecurity, to let go of the excuses, to let go of the confusion, to let go of the hurt, to let go of the wound, to let go of the comfort zone, to let go of the complacency, to let go of the gossip, to let go of the helplessness, to let go of the trauma to let go of the victim mentality, to let go of the wrong thinking, to let go of the rejection, to let go of the condemnation, to let go of the disillusionment, to let go of the what ifs. And I believe he's going to strengthen you. And I want to leave you with this because Pastor Gary is inching his way to me. And I know that that means that my time is up. So if any of you ever get up here and you see that walk, just know it's time. It's, I know, I'm just going to say this one more thing. Um, <laughs> I went to a serv- an ordination service last night and I heard a preacher say this. He said, the past will remain our future until we have the courage to change it. The past will remain our future until we have the courage to change it. And I believe that the same grace and the same strength that has been multiplied to me as a believer, as one of your leaders, as one of your ministers, is not only unto me, but is unto every single person that sits in the seats of the sanctuary fellowship. Do you receive that this morning? Do you receive that this morning? Amen. I'm going to ask for the worship team to come. And I'm going to ask for everyone to stand with the elements of the communion. I'm just going to ask you to take the bread in your hand. Because it represents the body of Jesus. You see, Jesus died. But after three days, he rose again. Maybe some of your dreams have died. Maybe there are dead relationships. Things that you hoped for that died. Well, God in this new year, he wants to bring his resurrection power. He's got, he's got new relationships. He's got new dreams. <coughs> There are new blessings ahead for you. So we're going to take this bread. And as you take it, just just allow the hope to come back again. God is telling you today it's safe to dream again. 
It's safe to expect again. You've been broken. You've been disappointed. It didn't work out like you thought, but this is a new time. I released a resurrection power, so let's partake of it in Jesus' name. See this cup of grape juice, it symbolizes the blood of Jesus. And there's power in the blood to wash away every bad memory, every hurt, everything in you that's been deeply wounded. That person who stuck a knife in your back and you just can't get past it. You made some of you have made decisions. I'll never love anyone again. I'll never trust another person. I plead the blood of Jesus over those words right now. Sometimes you you need to go back and break those vows that you made that weren't in line with God. Some of you made it who were hurt by a pastor. I'll, I'll never trust another. I'll never get close to a pastor again. I'll never, I'll never have another friend after what the last one did to me. I break that by the power of the blood of Jesus. I plead the blood over your mind, over your mindsets, your attitudes, your memories. And I decree and declare that the power of the past is broken now in Jesus' name. So let's partake. I want to pray over this new year right now. But you got to make a choice. If, If you're choosing today, you're saying... I was hurt. I was broken. That person messed me up. There were sleepless nights and darkness, but I'm choosing right now. I'm going to let it go. And because God got something better, he's got breakthrough. Just lift your hand to heaven right now. Otherwise, nothing's going to change in this year. Around the mountain we go, over and over. I declare over you, no more. Not one more day of brokenness, sadness, mourning, or grieving in Jesus' name. I release freedom over you by the power of the Holy Spirit. You, You are free to soar, to follow God, and For some of you, I just prophesy over you that you are free to love again. You are free to give your heart again, to trust again. The past is over. The scripture says, don't you see it? Don't you perceive it, says the Lord. I'm doing a new thing. Well, I release that new thing now over your life. New paths, new ways. Fresh fire in Jesus' name. 
So let's just begin to enter into worship with that new mindset. Yes, yes, yes. Maybe before when you were worshiping, you sang some songs, but in your mind, oh, God is never going to change my life. Nothing good will ever happen to me. I've tried this before, and it didn't work, and it's not going to work now. Well, we're not playing that no more. We're entering this year with a mindset of victory, breakthrough, prosperity, blessing. I release that over you, over your family, over your marriage and your finance. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship him.
you this morning. Oh, You have just reaffirmed your commitment to us, so we do the same thing to you, Lord. Father, because you have never let us down, but you have always been there, just drawing us, wooing us back to your love, back to your safety, back to your arms, oh God. And so, Father, we look at the past, and the past is the past, Father. But we know we have an even greater future if we're alive today. That's because you still have purpose for us, oh God. So we're not struck down and we're not destroyed, oh God. But in fact, Father, you've been working in the background, oh God. And you will see it fit, Father, to bring us through, Lord, for your glory, oh God. And even as we trust and even as we stand on the faith that we still have, Lord, we know, Father, that you are good and you are able to bring us through, Lord. So, Father, we leave this place even more encouraged than we walk in. Knowing, Father, that we don't walk this walk alone, oh God. Knowing, Father, that we, we can be going through turmoil in our life, Father, but as long as we have the promises your promises that you've made to us oh God we are promised an even greater future Lord so Lord thank you for last year but even more so thank you for today oh God if you're still alive that means you can do better things if you're still here that means God has forgiven you and you can be even greater than you were last year. And you can do even greater things than you did last year. But just promise me one thing we'll do this year. And it says it in his word, so simple. It says if you put him and his kingdom first, then all these other things will be added to you. Put him and his kingdom first. And all these other things will be added to you, whether it's work, whether it's family, whether it's relationships, whether it's friends. God will take care of the rest if you put him first. And we commit to that this year. God bless you. You are blessed to be a blessing. Have a wonderful week.